welcome to Around the World in 80s Movies. My name is Vince Leo. I am the author of the film review website, Quipster.net. I invite you to check out over 4,000 of my written reviews. You can read there anytime. Quipster.net is where to go. Q-W-I-P-S-T-E-R.net. While you're there, I do encourage you to check out my other podcast called The Quipster Film Review Podcast, where I cover brand new movies, not like the 80s, but a lot of films that are inspired by the 80s. Just look for the link on my website, quipster.net. Today, we're going to be getting into the first of a three-part series. We just finished a three-part series looking at alien killing machines, and the film that I'm going to be reviewing today does qualify to be part of that trilogy. But this one I'm talking about today will be kicking off a brand new trilogy of films of the 1980s looking at commandos special units special soldiers in films of the 1980s bridging the gap between the alien movies and these other kinds of movies we're going to look at 1987's predator predator is an r-rated film as you can imagine it does have strong bloody violence sexual references and language the runtime is one hour and 47 minutes. Arnold Schwarzenegger is the main star with other roles going to Carl Weathers, Bill Duke, Jesse Ventura, Elpidia Carrillo, Sonny Landham, Richard Chavez, Shane Black, and Kevin Peter Hall. The director of Predator is John McTiernan and the screenplay credited to Jim and John Thomas. Arnold Schwarzenegger, of course, in the 1980s, known for his bodybuilding physique in films. He's a little bit leaner than customary. He shed about 25 pounds for the role as Major Dutch Schaefer. He thought that this role would require someone who's a lot leaner to carry out some of the feats that he ends up doing in this film. Dutch travels along with his crew of elite special ops commandos to this jungle of this hostile Latin American country on this covert hostage rescue mission. However, Dutch soon finds out that there's more to this mission than he had originally been told by his old friend Major George Dillon, played by Carl Weathers. And that leaves these commandos in a firefight with other military factions in this country that they're not even supposed to be in. And what's worse than that, they discover that some of the soldiers in the area have been killed in a most disturbing manner. They've been skinned, they've been disemboweled, they're left for vultures to feast on. And even worse than that, if you can imagine... Dutch's crew appears to be next on the prey list. Way more to the story than I'm letting on there by the plot, but if you haven't seen it, I do encourage you to go see it before I get into the details of this review. Now, the idea for the film Predator came from the mind initially of writer Jim Thomas. He had help from his brother John in coming up for ideas on where the story would ultimately go. The seed for Predator actually spun off from a joke after the release of Rocky IV about who is Stallone going to fight next, an alien, because he's beaten the best human opponents anyone can imagine on film. They decided to have a film that essentially was, at least in their minds initially, Rocky versus E.T. or an alien. The script would eventually come to be known as The Hunter, and then it was shortened to Hunter sometime down the road. They shopped The Hunter script around via sending letters to various studios, high rollers, on the hope that somebody would take them up on a sale, but they were getting rejected at nearly every turn. And the one exception was 20th Century Fox under its new head, Lawrence Gordon. They greenlit aliens to great success during this period. The development on Predator was that it would be a film that was going to be directed by a New Zealand filmmaker called Jeff Murphy. This would be Jeff Murphy's next science fiction project after he 
finished The Quiet Earth. Now, back then, the Hunter's script was about a leader of a team of about 10 Navy SEALs as the hero. They were going to take on a high-powered alien, this one resembling the old Hunters that used to go out on safari in Africa. But he would be the opposite of a He-Man. He was going to be represented as either a woman or an old man or some disguise. He was going to travel to Earth, specifically Central America, because that's where a lot of the super soldiers of the United States were at that time, but that alien was going to be there to hunt large game, and one of the biggest large games that it liked to hunt was humans. Jim and John Thomas had envisioned Sylvester Stallone in the role as they were writing it. However, when they met with Jeff Murphy, Jeff Murphy had Harrison Ford in mind. All of these ideas ended up not sitting well with the producers at Fox. They felt that the elite team in the script should not be seen as antagonizing the Central American guerrillas or villages as written, which comprised of old men or women or teens, as it was in the script, even if that might be realistic as to what American GIs may have been known to be doing in the news at the time. That was still going to be a hard sell to the American public and would probably confuse the story with a lot of politics that they had no interest in delving into. They also despised the appearance of the hunter alien as a woman or an old man or even human-like at all. They insisted that the alien needed to be menacing and ugly and obviously otherworldly. When Joel Silver became attached as the producer, he had his own notions of what was going to work, including offering Arnold Schwarzenegger the lead role. Jeff Murphy objected to this. He couldn't buy an Austrian would represent the kind of all-American GI that they had in mind to head the Navy SEALs, but Joel Silver would win out when Arnold Schwarzenegger's Commando did very well at the box office, and that proved Americans would accept an Austrian without issue, at least if it was Arnold Schwarzenegger. Jeff Murphy would soon be fired from the project. Schwarzenegger had signed on with the stipulation that he could pick his own director for Hunter, and that director was not going to be Murphy. Schwarzenegger had barely even heard of him. As Arnold signed on board, he brought along his friend to the project, an American producer named John Davis, and this would represent the first film produced by Davis's company, Davis Entertainment. As far as finding another director for the film, on the recommendation of Schwarzenegger, Schwarzenegger found the low-budget and the production-troubled 1986 movie called Nomads to be directed with a lot of surprising tension and atmosphere he thought would make for an intriguing look. So Davis ended up getting to work on getting Gordon, the head of Fox, and Joel Silver to secure the directorial services of the director of Nomads, John McTiernan. McTiernan would go on to make his mark as one of the best action directors of the 1980s with Predator. This is a very unique and very skillfully made mashup of a guerrilla action flick, those commando action flicks that were very popular in the mid-1980s, but with a science fiction backbone. You know, Predator is deceptively simple, but it's also absolutely gripping once it gets going. And that's thanks to the time that McTiernan takes working from the script from Jim and John Thomas in establishing those characters, their mission. They reduce the plot down to just what the audience needs to know. And that makes the events that happen later in the film all the more horrific. I think if there's one knock on this film is that this sparse screenplay uncharacteristically gives Arnie some unnecessary exposition toward the end as he explains himself and to the Predator just what he's thinking, as if we couldn't figure out what's going on through body language alone. But that's all very nitpicky. Once you're in the moment, you tend to overlook that for the sake of the action and the fun. Now, in addition to McTiernan's tight direction, I think Predator soars to the top of the 1980s action flick pack because of its brilliant camera work. There is some breathtaking cinematography here by Donald McAlpine, 
And there's this gorgeous score from Alan Silvestri. I think that's one that's worthy of a major science fiction epic franchise. Predator also features special effects that are very simple, but still very appropriate. And and that makes it one of the few science fiction films of the 1980s to stand up, I think, equally well today. Particularly memorable is the use of first-person infrared technology, or at least the semblance of it, to clue us in as to how the Predator manages to thermally see the men who are camouflaged, and also its ability to use voice mimicry to separate the men from the rest of the pack for an easy kill, kind of like a decoy, and once you see the Predator close up, it's a sight that you're not going to soon forget. Arnold Schwarzenegger here in his prime as an action star. He's mostly subdued, though, from the Arnold that we know during this period. He gives a few of his traditional one-liners. He ad-libbed the line, stick around. Uh, That punctuates a particular scene where he impales someone by throwing a knife while he's standing. And his unintentionally funny line later, get to the chopper. That would become a popular internet meme even to this day. But His physical action performance still ranks among his very best, even if his acting is a little suspect. In the initial phases of the script, the only big character of the film was that of Dutch, which Schwarzenegger was not keen on signing on for because he thought that that was just another iteration of the roles he's played before, including just more recently in Commando. He thought it would be more interesting to fill out the personalities of the team, like some of his favorite westerns that he had watched growing up, The Wild Bunch and The Magnificent Seven, and that prompted additional rewrites to the script until they could get the superstar actor to sign on board with something that he liked. The seemingly ironic end credits of the film feature a curtain call for each member of the cast that was actually in homage to those old war films, those old westerns that would once do the same. Although Predator does have a lot of death and destruction, McTiernan felt all along that he was making a fun film, first and foremost, a popcorn film. He thought that the final bow from the cast, in addition to being an homage to the kinds of movies that he and Schwarzenegger were trying to do, it was his last tongue-in-cheek wink to the audience that he was making a film all in fun. Predator also features a fantastic supporting cast of macho actors, most selected specifically by McTiernan and Silver, including Carl Weathers, Sonny Lanham. Lanham had worked with Joel Silver before in productions like The Warriors and 48 Hours, the Walter Hill movies. Incidentally, Sonny Lanham actually needed a bodyguard for the set, not to protect him, but to actually keep him from getting into violent altercations. There was also the ex-professional wrestler Jesse the Body Ventura, who left his gig as a commentator for WrestleMania II to pursue acting here. They would all undergo about six weeks of grueling boot camp to get into the kind of huge physical shape and to learn how to repel from ropes or climb trees or handle a variety of heavy weaponry. Carl Weathers was the seasoned professional that McTiernan had wanted to cast here. He wanted him to work with the other actors, the ones that did not have as much experience, especially Arnold Schwarzenegger, because he thought that Carl Weathers being on board would up Schwarzenegger's game due to the competitive nature of Arnold and because he wanted to work harder than any other guy. And so whether it's pumping iron before each day's shoot or in preparing for the lines, everybody was going to work to be the best in this film. Carl Weathers also has the more nuanced role of the film. He's a compatriot of the men doing battle, but he's also one that harbors a bit of a secret as to what the nature of the mission actually is. 
Bill Duke was another seasoned actor that Schwarzenegger liked working with. He had just appeared with Schwarzenegger in Commando, and despite the attempt to incorporate these more experienced actors, the biggest liability of Predator still remains the stiff performances by some of the cast, especially by Schwarzenegger. When he delivers dialogue more than two words, it's better than he had done before, but obviously he still had a long way to go to being the Arnold Schwarzenegger that could really carry a movie without unintentional snickers. Now, shortly after filming began, Schwarzenegger would take leave to marry Maria Shriver. They would go on a short honeymoon in Antigua, and that ended with them arriving together on the set to resume filming his scenes. Shane Black, who plays Hawkins in this film, he's the bespectacled commando with a gift for raunchy jokes. Shane Black was selected not for his machismo or his acting ability per se, but because McTiernan wanted another writer around that would help with the rewrites to the script as things went along and they wanted to change direction. According to the producer, John Davis, when Black refused to rework the script, claiming he was hired here as an actor, not a writer, his character was one of the first to get killed. McTiernan does give credit to Shane Black, though, because he came up with some elements for his character that were not in the script. In fact, McTiernan encouraged him to do so. He wanted Black to tell on camera a couple of the raunchy jokes that he was telling some of the cast and crew on the set to try to break up the tension. Now, regardless of Black's early dismissal for not completely playing ball with McTiernan and the rest of the producers, he did prove to be quite a talent as a writer. He would go on to greater success the same year as the screenwriter for Lethal Weapon, and that would springboard into a long and lucrative career as a screenwriter and later an action director in his own right. In fact, he directed Iron Man 3, and he would return to this series, uh, the Predator series, not as an actor, but as the director and the screenwriter of 2018's The Predator. Now, in addition to being almost unbearably hot and humid in the weather, there were leeches, there were snakes, there were vast areas of mud in Mexico, and nearly the entire crew contracted Montezuma's revenge from the lack of clean water, especially at the hotel. Those weren't the biggest worries. There were bigger production problems that would soon set in that almost derailed the film, mostly due to issues in nailing down the nature of the film's bad guy, aka the hunter, especially what it would look like with the initial costume that was designed by a small effects company run by Richard Edlin. The costume was deemed too shoddy, too impractical, and not at all effective in eliciting the kind of terror that they were going for. Schwarzenegger would compare the first look of the hunter to a human-sized lizard with the head of a duck. Initially, Jean-Claude Van Damme, who was an associate of casting director Jackie Birch, he would constantly go into her office and hustle her for any work that she could find for him. He was going to be in the prototype Predator suit and that was made with rubber and felt. The real suit at that time was not completely fully made, much to McTiernan's chagrin. He was waiting for it to get delivered. But Van Damme ended up finding the costume afforded very little visibility. It grew very hot inside it, and that did not give him the ability to exert himself with any of his trademark martial arts moves. He wasn't going to do any roundhouse kicks, for instance. That rendered his performance as ineffective. And without being able to show off what he can do, and with the realization that his character would be either off the screen for most of the film, or he'd be unrecognizable on those moments where he might appear, Van Damme's desire began to wane. He ended up causing some friction with the cast and the crew who had to hear his persistent complaining about that suit. He was gone after two days, and whether he quit or whether he was let go depends on who you ask or even how he was let go or why. One story was that he was mad at having to wear the headpiece that was making him pass out from dehydration. He ended up smashing it to the ground, and that was why he was ultimately let go. 
too much trouble for his own worth. Van Damme was also subsequently deemed not physically imposing enough. He was either 5'9 or 5'10, depending on where you read it. He also was too lean compared to the beefy heroes that he would be fighting against. Arnold Schwarzenegger and Carl Weathers themselves were 6'2. Sonny Landham was 6'3. Bill Duke and Jesse Ventura stood a towering 6'4. So he was much shorter than them. And that caused the entire shoot to end up shutting down for eight months so that they could retool the film and figure out where they wanted to go. They wanted to get a costume and makeup ready for a larger predator at the suggestion of the more expensive newly hired effects guru. They ended up hiring Stan Winston to come in and do the new predator look. He wanted a creature that was even bigger than the guys that he was fighting against. And he would end up being played by the 7-2 or 7-3, depending on where you read. This is a very common thing to try to nail down the heights of anyone in Hollywood. Kevin Peter Hall would end up playing the predator in the costume during the film's climax, especially. Now, as for the actual look of the hunter that they decided to go with, uh, after a lot of groupthink, Joel Silver suggested something akin to a large Rastafarian warrior. This painting that was hanging in his office at the time was evoking. And that gave Stan Winston the notion that the Predator needed to be much more intimidating and fearsome than the humans he was going to be doing battle against by seeing that fierce warrior in the painting. As for the face, though, Stan Winston happened to be on a flight with James Cameron. They were going to Japan during this promotion for Aliens when the director had suggested that he would like to see a monster in a film that had mandibles or gills. And and the light for the idea sprung with Stan Winston. He worked with the look to put mandibles on the face of this Rastafarian warrior and the Predator's look that we all know was finally born. In fact, at this stage, they decided to change the name of the film itself to Predator from Hunter to match the new look and vibe of this suit. As for the Predator's blood, the initial color was orange, but that color was not standing out on film the way that McTiernan liked, so one of the effects team suggested that they use the contents of a glow stick combined with some jelly to give it that otherworldly look. McTiernan loved it. Now, during that eight-month break in production, Schwarzenegger had left. He went to go shoot The Running Man, And then when he returned, most of the other cast had been done with their parts. Schwarzenegger would return mostly alone to film the final 30-minute climax between himself and the hideous creature that relished the hunt of a worthy adversary. Kevin Peter Hall here portraying the Predator. He was going to be injected throughout the movie in pickup shots earlier. And those pickup shots would not reveal the entire look of the Predator until the very end. And if you want to see Kevin Peter Hall without his Predator suit, he does double duty in this film. He plays the helicopter pilot toward the very end of the movie. Despite its issues and the slapdash production, the effects work from this late-arriving Stan Winston and his team would end up earning for the film its sole Oscar nomination for Best Visual Effects, although it would end up losing to the science fiction comedy Inner Space. Now, with Vietnam films all the rage in the 1980s, Predator would follow in the footsteps of Aliens by making the action a semi-metaphor for the Vietnam War experience for American soldiers who were trying to take on this enemy who seemed to be blending into its environment to try to gain the upper hand on this squad of elite soldiers. Even with massive firepower and all the skills, they were getting their butts kicked because of the ability of the enemy to blend in with all that was around them. In fact, McTiernan had specifically wanted to get a few actors who had been in the war to portray soldiers in the movie that would lend some authenticity to this story. At the end of the film, if humanity is going to prevail against this enemy, it's by becoming one with the environs himself. He would have to ditch the high-tech weaponry to cover oneself in the mud and blend in with the trees. 
The predator learned to do this with technology, but for the last human standing, he has to go back to the roots of humanity as a civilization to take down the more highly advanced predator from outer space. When Predator was finally released into theaters, it was greeted with a lukewarm critical reception. Many critics thought it was a run-of-the-mill super macho soldier in the jungle movie that somehow got mashed with a standard alien movie for the other half. They were not buying this. The introduction to the film where we see an alien spaceship is an unnecessary tip-off that many felt would mute the suspense down the road of just what the soldiers are getting into long before they would figure it out on their own. Too late. Storytelling is not necessarily the thing that Predator is most known for. It really is for the personalities, the tension, the intrigue, and all of that. So critics were not as enchanted, but the film would still end up attracting general audiences, many who felt that the entire film was set up to subvert expectations of formula genre. It embraced the expectations, and then it subverts them by changing the heroes into the victims. And that all helped it succeed in the end, at the box office to the tune of about $60 million in the U.S., and then it made an additional $40 million to add to that from other parts of the world, all on a budget reported to be only $15 million, so a really big hit for 20th Century Fox. The success of Predator would end up spurring on several attempts to resuscitate the franchise without the involvement of Arnold Schwarzenegger. Schwarzenegger had declined to continue because they wanted to keep costs low, and they were not willing to pay for the suddenly hot John McTiernan, to come back after back-to-back -back hits with Predator and Die Hard. They ended up releasing in 1990 a fairly unconnected sequel, Predator 2, that would star Danny Glover. And that put the Predators into this gang-ridden Los Angeles several years into the future. It tended to miss its mark with critics and most audiences, although there are a few people who champion Predator 2 as a worthy follow-up. I'm not necessarily among them. In fact, I actually think all of the rest of the Predator films are not very good either. So I think they got lucky once and the rest of these are attempts to keep the franchise going, but without the ingenuity or the chutzpah of this first film. You know, this film is very testosterone charged. It's known for macho beefcake. Action fans, of course, are going to enjoy Predator the most. I do think that the cross-genre nature of this excursion also pleased the science fiction crowd as well as aficionados of horror movies. The plot feels very much like a slasher film in some respects, although with better technical specs and a more developed premise. I would not say that Predator is a brilliant piece of cinema by any stretch, but if you're in the mood for an exciting and intense action film, I think there are a few that fit the bill better. As Bill Duke's character of Mac might say in this film, you're going to have you some fun. And I think that this is a very fun and very exciting dynamic action film from the 1980s. And that's why I'm going to give Predator three and a half stars out of four. Three and a half stars on my scale means I do think that this is a good film. And I do recommend it for anybody who loves action, science fiction, and horror. And especially those who love all three, you're going to be ecstatic. If you've never seen Predator and you watch it today, it is a great action film. And one of the best of the decade. So three and a half stars out of four is what I give Predator. Thanks, everyone, for listening. I hope that you enjoyed this review. As far as what I'm going to be doing next week, well, Predator 2 did come out just at the very end of the 1980s, in fact, into 1990. So it's a movie so disconnected from the story of Predator that I'm actually not going to cover it 
for the purpose of this. Even though it has the same screenwriters and it brings back Alan Silvestri, I feel like it's a completely different beast altogether with the exception of having Predators in it. So I'm going to move away from that. And since I'm doing a trilogy of films featuring Commandos, I figure why not go with a film that's a little bit more closely aligned with Predator because it features the same star as Predator, Arnold Schwarzenegger, and it is called Commando. I mentioned it earlier, and that will be the film I will be reviewing on next week's show. So take a look at Commando from 1985, a movie that I really did not like at all at the time I was 14 or 15 or whenever it came out. But over the years, I've tended to shift a little bit in terms of how I feel. I haven't quite fully embraced it yet. But I am looking forward to watching it for the first time in probably at least a decade. So Commando from 1985 on next week's episode. By the way, this is the 100th episode of Around the World in 80s Movies. I thank everyone who has stuck with me this long. If you're somebody who's listened to all 100 now, I do encourage you to reach out to me. Let me know that you've been here from nearly the beginning. I do encourage people to reach out to me and let me know what you think of the show, not only for telling me what you like about the show, but if there are any things you want me to incorporate into the nature of the show that you think would be entertaining to listen to, I do encourage you to reach out. You can find all of my contact information along with all of my other reviews in any place that you want to follow me at my website. Quipster.net is where to go. Q-W-I-P-S-T-E-R.net. Until next time, thanks everyone for joining me on this trip around the world in 80s movies. (laughs) 